This is food. This is beans. So, Eternals, Simon. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, you ready to jump into some more spoilery, heavy stuff for the Eternals? Simon, we did our full review in episode 71 of Split Focus of Film and TV podcast, where we did a pretty in-depth review of our thoughts and feelings of the movie without, you know, spoiling specific plot points. But uh, here in the closer look portion, we tend to, you know, go into the nitty gritty, pick it apart a little bit more. Um, but just to start the episode off, um, what did you think of the movie? J- just real quick, kind of, uh, summarize all of our main thoughts from the, uh, from our main episode, Simon. Um, I loved it. I think that it was, it was really good. I think the cast is fantastic. I think Chloe Zhao's vision was fulfilled. I think, I mean, she did have to stay within the confines of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. And I think that she changed up the formula enough that this is one of the more unique movies in the MCU in the mm-hmm. first place. I agree. And uh, my favorite thing, arguably, and I talked about this on episode 71 especially, was the fact that they went back in time and did the flashbacks to various moments in human history in such a remarkable way and such a a fun way that I was always kind of excited to see where the Eternals would end up next in the journey of these flashbacks, where they're going to be in, you know, the, you know, the ancient Roman times, the Babylonian times, uh, are they going to be during world war two? We don't know. And that's the beauty of that. Mm -hmm. It was done so well and masterfully on a story perspective. And um, yeah, that's, that was my basic gist of, of uh, my Mm -hmm. thoughts for it. I just think that the critics were wrong, Adrian. Ron Tomatoes was wrong in yeah. this case. Yeah, man, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I think, yeah, this is a very different uh, Marvel movie. It's very unique, and I really like Chloe Zhao's vision. It's very deliberate. It's slower paced. It's not a you know all out comedy like most Marvel movies are with that witty lo- dialogue consistently going on. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think the critics are wrong on this one uh, for the most part, and uh, I'm definitely on the side of the audience score. Um, I think. The main thing that kind of uh, turned me off a lot of the time throughout the movie was uh, the the CGI. I think a lot of it was great, but a lot of it was really bad, and it pulled me out of the movie quite a bit. And uh, you mentioned on um, our our episode seventy one of Split Focus at a film and TV podcast that there was one scene in particular that you thought the CGI was just really bad, and it was closer to the ending. I'm curious what that was. Oh my goodness! This is uh, this is to me some of the most atrocious. CG that I've seen in a long time. And I said that on episode 71. And it was the Pip the Troll scene. Oh. I just can't believe that they actually did such a bad job. I can't yeah. even believe it. It took me out of it completely. I was like, whoa, is this is this like just just like the mock-up? Like how did they make it so how did they make it so unrealistic? Yeah. And uh my goodness, my goodness, this was an end credit scene, of course, mm-hmm. uh, with Patton Oswalt voicing a CG or completely CG character. He now and, voices uh, uh, a bunch of Marvel characters because he voices MODOK in that animated series. He has a yeah. bunch of characters that he plays in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And now he's yes. playing uh, a bunch the- of characters. He plays tw- like tri- triplets or quadruplets. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny, actually, that he's in it so many times. Uh, I think and- he's a fan, too. So it, it's pretty cool that he got gets to do this. Yeah, I, I, I really like Patton Oswalt. I think he's great. Um and yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, that scene when he comes through, I thought it was like, what the fuck? Like it, it, it genuinely was atrocious. Like I'm not even being hyperbolic. It looked Jarring. so 
bad. And I was if I I'm was, mentioning it, if I'm mentioning it, it's really bad. I mean, yeah. you you find the errors in CG in every movie, yeah. <laughs> no matter what it is, you find it. And I don't necessarily, and I, and I I allow the suspension of disbelief when it comes to CG more often than not. But in this case, it was so awful. <laughs> I could not believe it. It completely took me out of it. Again, it just felt like they rushed it and they didn't get to, didn't get to complete the scene. Yeah. I, I don't understand how, how it could be this bad. Yeah. It, yeah. I agree I with know. you. That was by far the worst um, in the movie. And again, there's, I think a bunch of scenes where the CGI I thought was like very poorly done. There's one scene in particular with uh, like Richard Madden. I think they do like his kind of Superman flying off usually pretty well. There's like this one scene where it just seemed so weird the way he just moves off frame. And I was like, Oh, like, this just doesn't look good. It was, I was very confused. It almost looked like he was like a, like a Photoshop cut out and they cut out his like, you know, just silhouette and they just, you know, clicked on it with the computer mouse and dragged it off screen. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of that in the movie. I was like, ah, I, I don't like this. Um, but yeah, that Pip the Troll scene, I was like, this is atrocious. And, uh, you know, they introduce, uh, I believe the character's name is uh, Eros, Iros. Yeah, Eros. Yeah, who's supposed to be uh, Thanos's brother, which is kind of interesting. And- right, well, Thanos is supposed to be, at least based on the comics, from my understanding, he's, and I didn't really get it before I think I watched this movie. I think I looked it up and I thought I read somewhere that he was an eternal, but he's actually an eternal deviant hybrid. Thanos. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And Eros is an eternal as well. So, so that explains their, their brotherhood, I guess. Yeah. So I'm curious. I, I don't think that's the route they're going to go in the MCU at the very least. They specifically say um, like the eternals that like, Oh, we can't interfere unless it's like deviance. So if they didn't interfere during Thanos, then we just have to assume that I guess he wasn't a deviant in this MC universe. Who? Um, Thanos. He's a deviant th- eternal hybrid, though. Yeah, but like you would. Ass- we know, but we know Eros is an eternal, so that um, should answer the question. You know what I'm saying? He literally would told. He said he's an eternal. Yeah. In that scene. Yeah. So like what? Like my guess is that Thanos isn't a deviant at all in the MC universe because then the Eternals could have. And why does he look like that? I don't know, man. <laughs> no fucking clue. It doesn't make sense because Thanos, Josh Brolin's Thanos does not look like Harry Styles from One Direction. Who? But that's why he looks like that because he's a hybrid. That makes yeah. perfect sense, doesn't uh-huh. it? You know I, what I'm saying? That's where I can believe it. I don't know. Maybe they won't do that, but yeah. there's got to be an explanation. If they're brothers, why the hell does <laughs> Harry Styles look like a human being and, and Thanos looks like a... I don't know. Yeah. Ball, ball sack or something. <laughs> Just a fucking scrotum. No, I like how Thanos looks. <laughs> me too, I, I, me too. I, I'm, I'm joking around, but I yeah. thought he looked cool. Yeah. Honestly, when uh, Harry Styles like came on screen, uh, the theater, like there were a lot of women in my theater and so many of them were like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like that, that actually like yelled in excitement. I was like, this That's theater awesome. is fairly quiet uh, throughout the entire movie. And a lot of people are excited. I, I mentioned on, uh, like our main episode, how like the people behind me are like, well, that was a waste of two and a half hours of my life or whatever. But yeah, those people, when Harry Styles appeared, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Um, I'm glad I was here for that one yeah. second scene. Incredible. But uh, I do like Harry Styles. I think he's awesome in Dunkirk. So I'm excited to see what he can do in this universe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The, we should talk actually just about, because we didn't talk too much about this on episode 71. Um, it's just how good these characters were fleshed out. And mm-hmm 
how neat they are. Like the, each of them, like I, I would just say like, even just because she's in that scene with Harry Styles and I, and I imagine she's going to be in the next film. I'm hoping they do a sequel based on the fact that the critics didn't like the movie for some damn yeah. reason. Um, and hopefully that doesn't affect the actual money of the, of it all in the end, based on the audience score, I'm thinking maybe not. And it, it's looking like it's going to do quite well at the box office. So <laughs> hopefully we're in good shape. But other than that, that scene is kind of setting up the future of the MCU in a way, or at least the future of the Eternals. Mm-hmm. And Angelina Jolie's character is extremely interesting in this. Thena. I agree. He's a very interesting character. Like there's a, I don't know. It, it, I think she was handled very well. And mm-hmm. uh, again, every one of them seemed like they had their unique own thing going on. And that's yeah. something that I feel like is a challenge when you're going into a movie with, first of all, how many characters are eight characters or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's insane. And they're characters who have lived for like a thousand years. So they've got a lot going on in terms of their back history. So I really appreciate that. But if we go back to yeah. Athena, I really liked how they handled her character and the complexities of who she is. I think she's really fantastic. And I also like how much of an ensemble this is, mm-hmm. considering that Angelina Jolie is arguably the the biggest named actor in the movie. I agree. She's not in it to a point where it's like, I almost didn't even see her as Angelina Jolie. Okay. At all. Yeah, dude. It's shocking. You did such a good job. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I think she did, yeah, amazing. Like she was arguably the biggest surprise. I think I brought up many episodes ago um, of like our uh, Split Focus of Film and TV podcast, how I was like, I was worried about having Angelina Jolie um, in the movie because she's just such a recognizable face. But she right, yeah, I remember she, that. I, yeah. I didn't. I, you just reminded me of that. I didn't think of that. That's a good yeah. point. And yeah, like I was enthralled by her character. I loved Thena as a character, and I think Angelina Jolie's performance is phenomenal. I did no, like I forgot that it was her. I agree with you. Like she really just kind of went into the role, um, and I think every actor did a fairly good job. Uh, Salma Hayek's performance as Ajax, I, I, I could take it or leave it. I'll be honest with you. Like that was like the oh. one where I was like, eh. I don't really love her performance too much. And she like, like she she was the only outlier in like the cast of, I think, I think there's 10 of them. Uh, I I think you mentioned eight, but yeah, there's 10 of them. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I I do agree with you. I think Thena is a very complex and interesting character. And yeah, she didn't really take the spotlight in terms of like, she didn't have the most screen time out of the Eternals, even though she is, I would make the argument that she is the biggest actor out of everyone in, in this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's, there's, it's, it's such a good, diverse cast in terms of the way they act. Not, not only like how they look and you know their potentially their sexual orientation or uh, the fact that um, uh, Lauren Ridloff is she's deaf and yeah. she, she's signing and they all know how to sign so seamlessly. And this is something I mentioned on episode 74, 71. It's just a seamless process for the diversity of the cast. Mm-hmm. There isn't like, oh, we're forcing this in. This isn't, didn't feel forced in any capacity. This is just, it, it represents also the history of the human race as well, very well as well, is that there's somebody to kind of represent kind of everyone in the world yeah. in terms of humanity, even though these people are not human. They are Eternals, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't exactly know what that means. That's one of the interesting things I'm kind of left with thinking about as the, and I was left with thinking about as the film ended. I don't really know what exactly they are. Mm-hmm. I, it, I don't know about you if you found that as well, but I'm not quite sure. It almost they almost played it off like they were robots. Yeah, in a weird way during the scene with uh, Gemma Chan and uh, what is that guy's name? The robot in the sky. 
Erishem. Er, uh, yes, Erishem. Celestials in general, we've only seen one before. At least, I think they makeshifted him into a celestial within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, yeah. and it's Ego, played by um, Kurt Russell mm-hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And uh, the other Eternals that they're showing look the same, which I don't necessarily love. I'm not sure if they... I hope they're not like kind of disowning the concept that Ego was a celestial. Yeah. It's... Because he doesn't look like that. And it doesn't show him to look like this six-eyed robot thing, space robot at all. Yeah. So that is an interesting thing that I'm not sure. Well, I mean, we see. About, but I don't know. Like in Guardians of the Galaxy, we see like that uh, planet Nowhere, which is just like the head of a celestial. And that doesn't really look like a six-eyed being. It just looks like a huge doesn't. skull. Yeah. Yeah. But then when they were doing, when Arishem is doing that kind of visualization for Gemma Chan's mm-hmm. Cersei. Um, showing how the emergence actually works. They were yeah. showing another six-eyed celestial coming out of that planet. Yeah, you're right. So that's where uh, it's a little tricky. But I don't know. I don't know. We don't know enough about the celestials at this point. It's funny. I, I kind of thought I would learn more, but I don't feel like I learned as much as I, I thought I might. And that's not really knocking it. I do, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just more excited now to find out more because it feels like these things can just crush Earth in in like a flick of a finger, you know? It's like a... They essentially destroy a solar system and like create new galaxies. Like it's, it's pretty wild. It's it's a cool concept. Um, Yeah. It's uh, it's incredible. But yeah, that whole plot line, really cool. And I'm very excited to see what happens next with all of these characters. And hopefully they get a second, like a second Mm -hmm. episode, a sequel to to do this. I think they will. I loved also the twists and turns within this movie. I didn't see the twist. I don't know. Maybe you did. I, I liked that the these characters are all complicated, and I mm-hmm. enjoyed watching Icarus, like Richard Madden's character, kind of be admired by all of these Eternals, and then fall from grace in such a like a dramatic way. And the way they did that with flashbacks, in terms of showing Icarus betray Ajax, was just mm-hmm. really good and really well done. Yeah, because they were doing flashbacks the whole time. It was just really well executed when they they didn't go back. A thousand years or like a hundred years, they went back like seven days. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like six days before. <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, it, um, it definitely was. And yeah, like that, I didn't see that twist coming either. And I found it like really interesting, kind of how they they de- they developed Selma Hayek's character through these flashbacks. And when it's a, initially revealed that she's dead, um, I was like, oh damn, like did not see that coming. But that's kind of where one of my initial gripes come from the movie, where there's just I think they do it like three times where it's like, okay, like we're going to meet the next Eternal. Let's tell them Ajax is dead. And then they kind of go like, oh my God, I can't believe Ajax died. And like it goes on a little bit too long uh, for a lot of that. I think they do it like three separate times. It makes sense because, you know, we're watching these characters find out that one of their, you know, friends were murdered. But the issue is, is that when Don Lee's Gilgamesh dies, they just kind of, he's dead. They mention it like I think one more time in the movie and it's like none of them really care. And it's really upsetting to me because that that oh. was like the one time where I was like, I'm too attached. Like Don Lee's Gilgamesh dying. I was very like, I was like, God damn, like this sucked. And it, that was like probably one of the biggest shocks to me, like when he got killed off and Thena is definitely suffering from it because obviously, you know, they had that like deep bond. But when they meet up with Fastos, who is uh, Brian Tyree Henry's character, um, they don't even mention it to him. And again, they, they, they just don't bring it up. And it really threw me off. That was like one of those 
moments in the movie where I'm like, ah, like I feel like they they needed to add like 10 extra minutes to this movie, even though it's already so long to really, you know, hammer that home. Like he's gone, he's dead. And that's, that, that sucks. That is annoying. I yeah. didn't notice that. That's a, that's a good call up for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is irritating as heck. Yeah. The, the thing about Fastos though, he was kind of isolated for like, I think a hundred years mm-hmm. or something like that. Or not a hundred, but like 50 years. It's a long time. Yeah. Almost a lifetime. He was kind of apart from everybody. So it, he didn't necessarily care about them as much anymore. But yeah, I, I can see why that's irritating. That, that is kind of almost a plot hole, to yeah. be honest. So it would have been nice for them to have done that. Yeah. But, but I mean, like... It didn't, it's cool that you were attached to Gilgamesh too, because again, he dies midway through the movie. Yeah. So again, that's a testament to how well Chloe Zhao handled these characters, which mm-hmm. again, is just... It, it feels like they really did the character development justice. Yeah, I but. agree with you completely. Like that's one criticism I just can't wrap my head around um, because again, I was attached to pretty much all these characters. And even by the end, like initially I was just like... Ajax said, who cares? I don't really know anything about her. But then you keep on getting flashbacks throughout the movie and you realize like, oh, okay. And then you find out how she was betrayed and how, you know, in that last second she was or like, you know, the, within that last week, she's like, we need to stop this from happening. Earth is too good. And yeah, like Icarus's fall from grace, you know, turning on her and betraying her and then having her killed from these deviants. Um, and the, the concept, which I really liked is that like, you know, you have this deviant that can now, heal itself which is really cool and like take the power from the eternals and it starts developing and after he kills gilgamesh like you know he almost becomes a little bit more humanoid and is talking and i really liked that aspect of this movie where it's like we have like kind of an antagonist going on but it it's really not the main antagonist and uh i almost feel like it was a it's a badass scene where thena just absolutely wrecks him and just kills him like that amazing which it's, I it's really cool loved. how powerful she is. That's yeah. something I really respect that they, they didn't make her kind of like, it almost felt like her power was not as good as anyone else's. Yeah. But it really arguably is really good. Like yeah. she must have fast reflexes as well as just having a sword and shield or yeah, she's, and shield. she's like a, like a badass wonder woman type character. Like, like she has yeah. a very similar uh, power set. And I, I really loved that about her. And I, I think it's a really neat idea that like one of her crutches, I guess, is that, She's now, you know, suffering from all of her memories before crumbling down on her mind and going insane. So although she's super powerful and an awesome character and one of the best allies to them, she's arguably also could be like one of the wor- one of their worst em- em- or enemies if she snaps and tries to kill them all. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I really love that aspect. I think that was like a really good call on the movie itself, too. Yeah, it's, it's the... The cool thing about the deviant that that enemy deviant as well is that he kind of is like a he's almost like a red herring on the the movie. You kind mm-hmm. of feel like that's the real enemy, yeah. but ultimately, no. And that <laughs> that is really well done as well. And and they even explain how they came back, which I really respect as well. It's not like that was just a a thing they forgot about as the movie went on. Yeah, that they did explain why this deviant. Well, not necessarily why he became somebody who can evolve, but they explained where the, these deviants were mm-hmm. hiding out this whole time, which is quite interesting that uh, that the emergence had caused them to come back and um, because they- The polar ice caps. I guess the emergence is causing- Started melting. Global warming? Yeah, something like that, which is which is a neat <laughs> premise, I guess. 
I don't I don't necessarily like that because I feel like it makes an, ex- an excuse for humanity yeah. who clearly created cl- climate change. Um, but uh, no, it was the deviants, man. It was, it was the uh, celestial, like growing in the core of the universe. You, you know what movie also does this? And it, I would say does it better is uh, The Tomorrow War. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm kidding. That movie sucked. The cool thing, too, is each of their powers and how they were manifested and how they were shown. Like Richard Madden's powers, he's OP. Yeah, he's and I Superman. really appreciate he is basically Superman. And I really appreciate that concept. And I also really appreciate the fact that he flew into the sun at the end because his name is Icarus. It's very poetic. I think that is fantastic. Yeah. And um, yeah, it is really, really cool and well done in that regard. And I liked the idea of making him an enemy. It makes sense that some of them wouldn't believe, some of them would be true believers in terms of um, who Arishim is and what what they're there for and what mm-hmm. their mission is. I, I like that idea that some would be okay with it and some wouldn't be. Yeah, like uh, um, I think that's a cool idea with yeah Kingo, like played by Camille Nanjiani. Like he even says like no, honestly, like I want this to happen. Like, but I would never hurt my family. Like I love you guys too much. It's like I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to let it happen if it happens. I think that was a really neat idea. Yeah, he abstained his vote mm-hmm. again because it, it showed the different perspectives of. You know, some of these individuals are on one side or the other, and they didn't, again, they're not perfect beings. That's, again, again, they're flawed. And I think that that is really neat. They're kind of like humans, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Uh, like, I guess on the topic of Kingo, I really, uh, like, we mentioned that this movie's not really like a comedy, but there's like one running joke in the movie, which I found absolutely hilarious. And it's that uh, Kingo's, um, I guess, like, buddy, like his agent, uh, I his- believe the character's name was Karoon, uh, if I recall correctly. I don't remember his name, but he, I, yeah. I think it was Karoon. Is his producer? Yeah, I think like something like that. His agent or producer and how he's like making a documentary and like they destroy like like his camera and then all of a sudden he has like another camera that he's recording stuff with. And, uh, you know, it happens like multiple times in the movie. I was like, this is a really good running joke. I really liked his addition. It added like a good amount of levity in these like tenser moments. Uh, and you know, like the, the scenes where like Camille's like, you know, like cut the camera, like, like, at, like any time it gets a little bit too real, which I really appreciated. Um, I, I, I appreciate I, that Kingo survived. Me too. That's me too. something that I also re- very much appreciate. Cause I, I, I thought he might be gone. He might be, a, I thought he might be a goner at, at multiple points because they, again, they're not afraid. Chloe Zhao wasn't afraid to kill some of these characters off, mm-hmm. but he is kind of necessary because he's the. The Marvel Cinematic Universe's comedy tone, which yeah. they kind of didn't have in other characters. So, well, yeah, like honestly, no one else was really funny. Um, there is like one well, scene in particular which Brian I. Tyree Henry is pretty funny as fast. As yeah, that, that, yeah, fair point. Yeah, fair point. That's a good point. But he's not in it for a lot of the movie, no. too. But yeah, he does add a couple moments of hilarity. But uh, the one scene in particular that I literally just geeked out on, really, like it's close to the end of the movie. It's where Sprite, who is uh, played by. Leah McHugh, you know, she's having like a monologue with uh, uh, Gemma Chan's like Cersei after she like stabs her just being like, we need to let this happen, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, like Druig shows up, played by Barry Keegan uh, and just bashes Sprite on the head with a like a brick or something. Like, like, honestly, that that was probably one of my favorite parts of the movie because it was just so out of the blue. It's like, all right, let's go. Like just so nonchalant, no, so nonchalantly just bashes her in the back of the head like this child. 
um, even though it's not actually a child. I, I really liked that. And uh, honestly, I think Druig was probably my favorite character in the movie. I think his powers are the most interesting. He's the first one that really just kind of uh, goes off and 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 says like, I think it's like during like, I don't know, like a Roman war or whatever. And he's like, I can stop all this killing if I wanted to. I can make peace. Like, there's no reason we should let this happen. And he seems to have like the, the, the I guess, the moral high ground over everyone else. And he kind of just walks away. And I think he's the first Eternal to really split up from everyone. And I really liked his character and the idea that, you know, he's just living in this like remote little forest village, just like having these people do their thing and, I don't know. I, I really liked his his character and his performance. I, I've seen that guy in quite a few things now, and every time he's on screen, I really I think he does an awesome job. And uh, initially, when he's talking, like his accent, I was like, "Oh God, I, I could barely hear what he's saying." <laughs> but uh, you get used to it as the movie progresses. Liam McHugh. I just want to point out Sprite. Mm-hmm. I just think that her performance is pretty awesome. Yeah, she's pretty young, and and like the fact that she has to portray this kind of maturity. Cause she's basically lived a thousand years as a small child mm-hmm. and like, then they cast a, a kid, like a teenager yeah. to play the role. And she obviously doesn't have that kind of maturity as well. She might, I, I suppose, but it's impo- kind of impossible it's unlikely. <laughs> as like as a regular human actor. So I, I just think that they, she, the way she acted and the, everything that she did is amazing. She was born in 2005. Wow. 2000 and I kind of thought that maybe what happened was she she was like a 20 year old who looked young yeah but that's not the case and the reason I thought that is because of how well she does as in this role as this mm-hmm. mature adult in a child's body yeah and uh, I'm very impressed with that I, I can't even believe that I just looked that up now yeah so I didn't realize that but again again every one of these cast members it just feels like they they really they're very well developed they all they all did a great job um and yeah, with, with Leah McHugh's uh, sprite in particular, I, that was the one character I was like, oh, she's going to die because like, how are you going to maintain this, you know, like her looking this young throughout all these movies? And then they do this kind of one of the things I really hated about this ending um, in particular is there's there's two tropes that like one trope in particular that I just drives me insane. And it's like if we put all our power together in some weird way we can we can beat this celestial being or whatever like we can beat the big bad and you know they call it like a unimind it's incredibly corny and at least they put like they 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 even say that god that's a bad name because it is but like i i hate that as an aspect of the movie where it's like oh the way they won is by you know molding their mind together to defeat the enemy and i really i didn't like that at all and then also, I didn't like how Gemma Chan is like, I still have enough energy, just enough energy to make you age. And I was like, what? That just No, to make you human. Oh, to make you human. And I was just like, what? Like, this just seems weird. It, it's one of those, like, these powers are just not well enough to find and it makes no sense. It just kind of seems like for plot convenience. Um, yeah, but her power is, you know what her power is. She can turn anything into anything else. Yeah. She's a creator. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So she can turn a hu- she can turn somebody into a human. Mm. Is what happened. Like a Pinocchio, Liam McHugh yeah. Sprite was Pinocchio. That's what you're telling me. The Pinocchio situation. That's exactly what my girlfriend said. Uh-huh. She's like, the only thing I didn't like is that all of a sudden she can now turn this Pinocchio into a, a real boy, yeah, a real girl. Yeah, I, I didn't like that aspect. Even with you explaining it, 
it makes sense, I guess, but I still don't like that. Like that, that well, was, that's like, what happened with the other, like the the celestial as well. Yeah, they turned it into something, which is tur- she turned it into marble or something. Yeah. Um, I I think that's cooler. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't like that trope either. But it's it's her powers aren't that well defined. But that is what her power is. Mm-hmm. She has the ability to turn anything into something else, except for except for sentient beings. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't. She can't do that. But. Because of the fact that they, she somehow channels all their powers. That's where it's undefined. Mm-hmm. How is it that she's channeling all their powers? That, that's the weird thing. And then the fact that she thought, oh, I can do this for you. She didn't say, I can try to do this for you and turn you into a human. Yeah. That's the problem for me. Because why is it that you can do this now? Yeah, you it didn't, makes no sense. <laughs> I understand that you could because it makes sense that you have this power. But it, there's also... I don't let, appreciate the fact that they're not showing that they're linked. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine. Let's say that they're linked together when you turn – I can believe that you turn the celestial because they all linked with that gold – whatever that gold magic thing is where they all link together. You literally see it. It's visual. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, it's like, oh, I still have residual power from that. But like yeah. where is the proof? Not that you need proof necessarily – but you kind of do because when you don't have defined powers like she does, the other the all the other characters except for maybe Fastos, who I'm not quite sure what he can do. I think he just has like a, <laughs> a really intelligent mind and he can invent things. I think that like I think his but he's inventing them on the fly with Matt with like this. It's all like energy magic of yeah. some sort. It's some kind of weird energy they can manipulate energy in some very specific way, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of cool that they can do these things, but her, her powers are the, probably the least defined. So when you at the end then say, Oh, I still have residual of this unimind. I don't really buy it as much either. It is weird. Like, why did you do it this way? Just have them all linked still show it. I want to see it. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want to try and guess that this is hokey. Actually, there's a moment in lost the very last episode in which it kind of does something similar actually. I don't know if you remember. No, not off the top, man. Now I'm like you. Oh. No, no, now you're like me. Yeah. It's like, okay, you just drank out of a water bottle, bro. <laughs> it's not bad. I actually liked it. It's, it's something, I feel like now you're like me is something I say, actually. Yeah. Because I actually really like that scene. But at the same time, there's a degree of hokiness mm-hmm. in this, like in, in Eternals especially, for this particular thing. Like mm-hmm. just show it a little bit more distinctly. And another scene that really kind of harkens back to that concept of you're not really your your powers aren't really well defined darth sidious in rise of skywalker mm. and that's all i'm going to say and i think that's where it's you kind movie. of i think that's why you didn't like that as well yeah because it it reminds you of that and it definitely reminds me of that now i didn't think of that uh, a couple of days ago somehow palpatine is back well that part but his powers yeah it doesn't make sense his powers at the end he all of a sudden says oh i can do this thing now it's like, but you couldn't do this years ago. Where did you get these power? It doesn't make yeah. sense. And so that's the problem. In this case, though, it's a, more of a suspension of disbelief because that's literally her direct power mm-hmm. is she can change other things into something else, which yeah. is the most powerful thing. No one else has more powerful abilities than she does. Yeah. Like, cool. I know you can claim that Superman, I- Icarus does, but he doesn't really. His powers are pretty simple. She, if she was creative enough... She could do some pretty crazy damage, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's all about speed. If you can shoot lasers out of your eyes, it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, Makari's powers, by the way, just to throw it off to a different topic briefly, mm-hmm. are really well shown. I think that they were, the super speed they sh- showed 
uh, for Lauren Ridloff's Makari, really well done. Because mm. you see the super speed running in some things. It's pretty bad. Like the Flash TV series. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I, I'm really glad they did it so well. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate also how well they did the subtitles and how well they did the communication between these characters because mm-hmm. she's signing yeah. the whole time. So yeah, I agree. Um, real quick, uh, I do want to add as well. Did, did the Eternals develop English like, as a language? Did they know English and bring it to Earth? <laughs> and did they know like did oh. they bring sign language to earth as well because they they do a lot of these historical events like they're they're the cause for so many of these historical events but like that's the one thing i was like did the eternals invent english back in like the year seven like seven thousand bc or whenever they show up Is that- i'd say yeah okay that's a good that's a good point and the fact that they show that they did bring a lot of these inventions and things mm-hmm. to earth in the first place and they invented things and pushed things along like the plow, which they were joking about with Brian Tyree Henry's Fastos. Yeah. I think you're right. That's probably what happened. That's a good call out. Cause I was thinking that so many movies do this where all these characters from outer space or what, what not. And even the MCU does it a hundred times. They all speak English. Like what the heck? What do you mean they speak English? It doesn't make any sense, Yeah, but it makes now more sense if the Eternals and the Celestials speak English. It actually yeah. kind of makes the whole MCU less plot holy in that regard if you know what i mean yeah. it's funny actually it it solves an, an issue potentially <laughs> which is a weird thing i also just completely related to that i appreciate the fact that these characters like icarus was a story of course throughout history mm-hmm. and athena which was confused for Athena, and all of these different characters their names are completely directly related to historical events throughout actual human history mm-hmm. and they did that so well that i I really do appreciate that. Like the joke about how Sprite told a story about Icarus and that's why that story was told. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I, I I think that that kind of idea is really cool because these incredible beings have been around for so many years that it makes sense that stories and tales and legends would have been told about them. Yeah. So that was really well done too. Again, that's why I wish I had more flashbacks. That was the, the thing that I feel like was the biggest thing I wish yeah. is that I didn't feel disjointed that there were flashbacks. It completely felt related every flashback that existed. It never felt like the flashback was was like, oh, I want to get back to the present. No, I, I want to see this. This is actually the most interesting thing about this. Mm-hmm. I want to see their history as Eternals. It's so, so awesome. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I feel like this movie could have been longer and I would have been fine with it. Even I know, but it's two and a half hours. I'm sure critics would not agree with you yeah. on that for sure. Yeah, fair enough. But. Um, I guess the one final thing I want to bring up is that in that final after credit scene? Good, yeah. I was just about to go there. They have the first, not I guess visual appearance, but the first appearance of Mahershala Ali as Blade. You hear his voice. You're assuming that's that's an assumption, but no, it, I'm not assuming because Chloe Zhao has confirmed it now. Oh, really? Where did she confirm that? Yeah, uh, I forget exactly where, but she has confirmed it on the record that Chloe Zhao that that was Mahershala Ali in that yeah it's in a uh, forbes is probably like the the, the big one like the most reliable source. cool yeah. that's fantastic that, that's really neat yeah like that there is a connection between black knight which I, i'm assuming now uh kid harrington's character is going to portray exactly um, and blade and he's like literally about to touch a blade oh <laughs> so Ooh. so that's that is really neat too i wonder what they're going to do with this i just worry I, I hate when movies are badly reviewed and i like them because especially when they 
tease other things and you kind of feel like, oh no, this isn't going to do anything. Like Justice League, <laughs> actually. Oh yeah. The Snyder Cut almost feels like a waste of time because of how many things it teases, but it's never going to do those things. Yeah. So like I am hoping that it makes so much money that it, it like these like critic schmidics, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care about this. I think I think with, you know, Kevin Feige behind this and his like vision, I don't think they're going to – they're. I don't think they're not going to go the direction that they set up in this. And again, the audience score is so well reviewed. Like it's 84 audience score, which is, which is great. So I think that's, what's more important. You know, you follow the fans as opposed to the critics. And I, and I, like you said, uh, like this movie is doing well so far. Like I believe internationally it's making quite a bit of money. It it has a really great opening weekend. So um, I I imagine they will continue this, but I do agree with you. (laughs) Like, yeah, it sucks when like a movie you really like isn't doing too well. Yeah, because you again, especially one that was is supposed to have a sequel. Like, this is guaranteed supposed to have a sequel. It's an MCU movie anyway. Yeah. But at the same time, there's like two end credit scenes. One setting up a probably completely separate story with Kit Harrington's Black Knight, mm-hmm. and then you've got this setup for let's save Kingo, Fastos, and Jemo uh, Chan's uh, Cersei, yeah. who are stuck, potentially going to go on trial. Uh, I was reading up on the Celestials and how they're really like, um, especially Erishem. Erishem is a judge. He judges like planets and their worth and whether they're worth keeping around or whatever. So he says that at at that, um, not the end credit scene, but it should have been an end credit scene moment where he's basically saying that that he needs to judge whether Earth is worth keeping around, Hmm. which I find interesting because apparently a lot of the Celestials he works with, that's what they do. They go to planets and they kind of like, judge various aspects of what the planet's worth is which uh could be neat Mm -hmm. if they do that and then obviously the rest of the eternals have to break them out of a potential prison or whatnot or go on trial for them or heist movie i don't know if it's gonna be a heist movie i'm actually kind of picturing that a lot of it's still gonna be on earth that they're gonna be like still going through flashbacks still and kind of explaining again their present situation with the flashbacks i have a feeling it's gonna be similar if yeah. Of course, Feige likes the direction that this movie went in the end based on what people think of it. But with all this being said, one of my favorite things about this movie is that scene with Ajax and Icarus, where they're on the porch. Mm-hmm. She is arguably pretty good in her convictions. She believes that this emergence, because she believes, she knows it's going to happen the whole time, pretty much, since she is in charge of the Eternals, she's the leader, and she has direct communication with Erishim. The idea of her knowing exactly what's going to happen during the emergence, initially liking it and then disliking it after, I really respect why she changed her mind. Because you would wonder why at this point would you not have, you know, why wouldn't you have stopped the emergence years ago? Why wouldn't you have been planning and plotting to fix this problem for like the last hundred years? And it's because of Thanos and the fact that Earth saved literally half the universe, not just the planet Earth. They saved the universe. The people of Earth did. Mm-hmm. That is so integral because you, you I, I mean, you might say, oh, I, I've seen so many trial and tribulations. It's like you might have seen that on every single planet. What planet really desi- deserves to die? There's good and bad people on every planet. Mm-hmm. That What's the difference? But in this case, they saved the universe. And that's such a, I feel like that to me really solidified it as a really good idea. Because I was curious, like, why would she change her mind? Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I really respect that. And and they all kind of, they all, the rest of the the characters 
they 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 really attached themselves to humans and i feel like that that was something that made them sway from one side to the other but ajak was chosen by erishim for a reason so you have to imagine that she wasn't easily swayed but the snap and the snap back is the reason and i i, I thought that that was brilliant and that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things in the entire movie honestly yeah it's a good call out that's a really good one yeah i really like that too yeah Cool. Cool. I'm very excited to see where they go with this. Me too. That's my my lasting statement. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this movie. I think it's a really great movie. I'm confused at at the reviews. And uh, if you stuck around and listened to this without uh, watching this movie, another one of these, like, why? You should have probably watched the movie first. But if you did like this, glad uh, I'm glad you listened. For sure. Oh, also, first sex scene in any MCU movie ever. Oh, it was steamy, baby. Wow. So mature. Incredible. And first gay character and handled very well. Like Second gay character, Simon. Second. Okay. First gay superhero. My mistake. Yeah, fair point. <laughs> Again, handled really well with Fastos and Brian Terry Henry. Again, so admirably done. Not po- poking in saying, see, we did this so much, even in the film itself. But yeah. even they did it less in the marketing than they did with Avengers Endgame with uh, one of the Russo brothers yeah. in that. Um, in that particular five second scene, but Brian Tyree Henry's character is legitimately gay, and they did it again. They they handled it. Chloe Zhao handled it extremely well. Mm-hmm. So I, I again, I respect most things about this movie. I feel like it had too many endings. That's my issue with it. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, the CG in one part was the worst CG I've probably seen in ten years. <laughs> and um, other than that, it's pretty darn great. Mm-hmm. Pretty darn great. Pretty darn great. Go and see it if you, for some reason, listen to the end of this podcast and haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's worth watching. All right. I thank you very much for watching. Listening. Um, Listeners out there listening to this, a closer look. They could be watching on YouTube. And thank you, Adrian, for joining me. Have a good day. Bye. Take care. Goodbye.